the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Affliction comes our way, trials, struggles, troubles. Our first prayer is, Lord, get me out of this. Heal me. But as we'll see today, there is integrity in the strength of God as the believer rests in him through those trials. Join us. Way of Grace is next. So you found yourself on hard times, afflictions, trials, struggles. How does God respond when you seek Him in prayer? Well, that is what we'll focus in on today here on Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We're in Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. We meet Pastor Jessica Stand there for a message he's called a prayer for healing, integrity, working in the believer's affliction. With today's broadcast of Way of Grace, let's catch up with Pastor Jesse now. You're going to hear a man today talk about the benefit of a right relationship with God in the area of stewardship that redounds to his protection and his recovery in a time when he is really struggling. You're going to learn some things in verses 1 and 2 around this that I hope come home to us as the larger paradigm of Christ and the church, the believer in Christ and Christ in the believer as we assume the position of considering our title for today, a prayer for healing. A prayer for healing is the way I am describing Psalm 41. This is not new to me. This is a title that has been ascribed to Psalm 41 by many scholars for hundreds of years. I remember years ago when I was absorbing myself in the Psalms by way of memorization of the whole of the Psalms from Psalm 1 all the way to Psalm 150. And I came across a portion of the Psalms where the author David has repeatedly engaged God around his struggles around his infirmities, around his sicknesses, around his weaknesses. And there was several times where David made the connection between him acknowledging his weaknesses and his infirmities and God being pleased to heal him as an evidence that his enemies did not have victory over him. This is what is said in verse 10 of Psalm 41, which when I heard this, I said to myself, David got it even back then. By this, I know that you favor me because my enemies do not triumph over me. See, now David is telling you, you got to come on in because I'm going to tell you how it is that a believer survives trouble survives tribulation, survives persecution, survives assault and attack. 
and all the calumnities that come against them simply because they are a child of God. David's getting ready to show you how to deal with all your adversaries, including your own weaknesses and sins. That's what David is about to do. Now, we're going to pay attention to David because David was a man after what? Right. So as much as you might struggle with how David was, you shouldn't struggle with who David is. Because who David is, is exactly who you are in Christ, a child of the living God, for whom it can be said when we properly understand our walk with God by this. I know that you have favored me, that you're actually pleased with me, that you actually desire me, that you actually delight in me because you have not given me over to my enemies. See, this was so important to David that often through the Psalms, David is talking about his foes being as large as military armies when a host encampeth me about. Now, that is no small trial. That's serious, ladies and gentlemen. When you, one person, are the object of an attack by a whole nation, you better know how to cry out to God. You better know how to seek God. You better know how to get a hold to the throne of grace in time of need when the whole nation is against you. And I'm really talking about Jesus, am I not? Why doth the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing and the nations rise up together against the Lord and against his anointed? All they want to do is cast him down to the ground. So you're going to hear echoes of Christ all the way through the psalm if you can get it and realize All that Christ is, I am. And all that I am, he is for me. Psalm 41, therefore, is a prayer for healing. Subtitled, the integrity working in the believer's what? Integrity working in the believer's afflictions. Do you believe that God is working integrity in you when he allows you to break down? (laughs) When he allows you to succumb to trouble? Do you believe God is working integrity in you at the level of your total non-integral state? Y'all know what I mean by by non-integral? If you don't, I'm going to help you with that. That's the word Angelo said, deliver us from. It's called crazy. You know, when you're in that real crazy place, I'm talking real crazy. That's where God is actually building integrity in the believer. This is where we don't walk by faith. We walk by what? And we walk according to understanding. When God is breaking us down, it's because he's building us up. When God is taking us apart to the point where we say, I'm undone. That's when God says, no, you're perfect. No, you're perfect. Now you're perfect. Now you're complete. Now you're integral because now you're telling the truth. Am I making some sense? And I told you, honest man ain't going to hell. Honest woman ain't going to hell. It's only people who trust in their own righteousness that will perish. When you and I cry out to God and tell the truth, that's when you and I are most perfect in the sight of God. That's when he delights in you. That's when he rejoices in you. Because see, now God can be what he's meant to be in your life all along. A savior. We don't want God to be a Maytag man. We don't want God sitting around saying, you know, I didn't fix this thing so good. I ain't got no work to do. He don't want you being so perfect now that God don't get any glory out of your life. Cause you're going to tell everybody how whole you are, how good you are, how great you are, how you didn't solved all the problems in the world. You writing books now. You on the circuit. 
It's all about you. Jesus don't even get a blip except at the back of the newspaper. David is going to show you how God keeps a man close to him and shows him that God is faithful when we're not. We're in the 41st Psalm. And you guys know who have studied with me in the summertime in the book of Psalms, the classical structure of the Psalms. We have how many Psalms in our Bible? 150. They are broken up into how many divisions? Five. This is what we call the Pentateuch of the Psalms. And you can see the divisions of every one of the categories at the end of every section. Psalm 41, the last verse, will say the same thing all the way through the Psalms until we get to Psalm 150. You know what God does through David after, at the end of every section? He blesses God for being the God of blessing forever and ever and ever. Look at the last verse before we go to it. Now, mark what Psalm 41 verse 13 says. This is what David wants you and I to grasp when we reflect upon God's goodness in our life. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from what? Everlasting to everlasting. Here it is. Amen. Amen. Sound like Baptist. Amen. Amen. What is David doing? David is summing up. David is buttoning up. David is closing up the first 41 Psalms as he reflects upon God's mercy and goodness in his life. And this is what you do at the end of the day when you realize that God kept you another day. You go, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, the true Israel of God from everlasting to everlasting. After all, we have been by that God blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Have we not? So we bless the God that bless us, don't we? We eulogize the God that eulogizes us. God has spoken a good word to you, child of God. I mean, a great word to you. You better find out what your blessings are. And when you do discover them, guess what you're going to do? You're going to bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And do not forget all his benefits to me. Let me count them. They are more than the hairs of my head. My God has been good to me. Now, now that's when you actually know your covenant blessings. When you don't, you're going, woe is me. But that's just ignorance. That's a big part of the believer's problem today. Ignorance of the covenant. Now, I want to show you what's going on in our text then, because it's very important. As we are dealing with Psalm 41, I'm going to break it down into three, four categories. And I, I do want to make sure you get the gist of the deeper and more profound spiritual implications, although they have very practical application as well. Under point number one, the integrity of the believer while he or she is in their what? Strength. You know, there's times when we are operating out of strength. And that strength comes from God, as we're learning in Ephesians 1, the power is from God. The working in us is by God. The kratos, or the outward dominion manifestation, is because of God. When people see your life, they can recognize that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. When you're in your strength, when you're in your strength, you're able to believe God. When you're in your strength, you're able to fellowship with God, walk with God, and enjoy God. Isn't that right? When the power of God is resting on you in that normative way of daily communion and fellowship, it is a joy to be in the strength of God. But we're going to have days of what? Weakness. That's going to be point number two. But what David does in point number one under the integrity of the believer in his strength is he calls our attention to what I am calling 
a reflection on our past conduct. A reflection on our past conduct. David is going to reflect on his past conduct and then he's going to request something in our present condition. And then what David is going to also do, David is going to also make sure that we recognize or acknowledge the present struggle of adversaries when we are in our weakness. And then he's going to rejoice in his Savior's work of justification with him. And these are the four cycles the believer goes through all the time. Reflection, requesting, recognizing, and rejoicing. Let's walk with David through the Psalms. David says in verse 1, 2, and 3, these words, Blessed be he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And you will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. You will make all his bed in his sickness. That is a good word. Do you see that? He's saying, blessed be, blessed be he that considereth the what? The poor. David now is doing what I am saying, reflecting upon past conduct. Now, anyone struggling with how to understand the pronoun him, let me help you with that. The pronoun him here has several connotations, the first of which in its, in its uh, context is referring to David himself and all believers. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. Now, I want you to think about that. Didn't we learn this in our stewardship class? That stewardship is about the advancement of the will of God, about the work of God's people in collaboration around the will and glory of God, and then the welfare of the poor among the people of God. Didn't y'all get that triad? When we are in that way of stewardship, we are advancing the cause of God. What Israel learned in the wilderness was as God brought them out of Egypt, then God brought them into a relationship where they took their material goods and began to fashion a tabernacle. Remember that? So that God can be visibly manifested among the people of God as the one who brought them out of Egypt. Y'all getting ready to learn something. You're getting ready to learn something. David then reflects upon sub point A, how the the believer in his strength devotes his powers to the edification of the poor. You're getting ready to get, you're getting ready to get challenged. When you are in your strength, that is when you are in Christ at the level of communion, where you think God's thoughts after him, and you recognize the resources of grace that God has poured in your life, because you and I are now objects of the grace of God, in your strength, what you recognize is you have an obligation, yea, a privilege to be a giver, to be a giver. We already been here, have we not? We already been here, but I want to help some of you get it now because, you know, we got short attention spans, don't we? Yeah, Pastor, I really enjoyed January study on stewardship, but I forgot everything you said. <laughs> when you are not in your strength as a believer, not only do you not give, you can't give. Because when you're not in your strength as a believer, you don't have the grace to think outside of yourself. You're stuck on you. When you are walking in weakness, it's all about you. When you're walking in strength, it's all about others. The fundamental definition of love is what? Giving. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. So here, watch this. I want to show you how David is able to deal with an affliction in his life that has him laying on his sick bed. Because y'all ought to know, when you are on your sick bed, 
you are in the most vulnerable place emotionally and psychologically. And even spiritually. When you're on your sick bed and you don't know when you're going to rise up again or whether or not you will rise up again. It's now time for you to reflect. And the only thing you can reflect on is yesterday. You can't reflect on tomorrow. It's not here. And you really can't reflect on the moment quite as um, as objectively because you're struggling in the moment. But when you are in the way of affliction, don't you think about your past conduct? Please. My phone rings off the hook when y'all get toe up. <laughs> Pastor, I need some advice. And it's all about having not done what was right in the past. And now in our weakness and in our infirmity and in our sickness, we are reflecting upon the past. Rightly so, because God requites yesterday. And God will bring you into your affliction so that you can go through the process of remembering. Don't ever run from the past. Be able to face the past with the boldness of the promises of God so you can work through them. There's a lot of people who run from the past because they don't want to have to admit what kind of bad seed they have sown. But you see, unless you're honest about the past, you can't make changes in the future. You're going to keep sowing the same bad seed until you stop, reflect, and do what David said in Psalm 119. I thought on my ways. I turned my feet unto your testimonies. I made haste to keep your commandments. In other words, your grace helped me to see I was going the wrong way. And what David is doing here is showing us an insight into a way to sow in your walk with God so that when you're down, you can be blessed in your reflection. Watch this now. If you live a life of giving, if you live a life of giving and you give according to the gospel, when you are down, all of the blessings of that giving are going to come back to help you. And I'm going to show you how here in a moment. I'm going to show you how in a, here in a moment. I'm going to disappear for a second, but it don't mean that I've been raptured, okay? I'm going to keep talking to you. I want you to think about David as a believer and not as a secular man and not as a pagan. And I know this is difficult for you and me because we don't have a deep enough and profound enough comprehension of covenant theology to recognize that the saints in the Old Testament, when they spoke about the practical reciprocal relationships they had with God, that they were all framed by a covenant of promises and blessings for what they did. In other words, even right now, when I'm talking to you about giving to the poor, unless you understand deep, profound covenant theology promises that God makes to you, all you see is coming out of your pocket with a few dollars and giving it to somebody. But that's pure paganism. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It has nothing to do with the glory of God. You have no, no mandate behind your giving. If, you're not, if your giving is not based upon your knowledge of who God is and how God is working through you as you give. And then you don't have an expectation because in your, in your Psalm, Psalm 41, David has an expectation that comes out of David's reflecting upon the strength of God in his life. Well, let me begin to work this through. What do I mean by... The integrity of the believer in his strength, recognized by his devotion, uh, uh, his devoting his powers to the edification of the poor. The New Testament, the New Testament mandates go like this. Acts 20, 35. You've heard it before. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the moment I take that proposition and allow my mind to be absorbed by it, 
Here's what I want. Lord, help me to be a giver. Help me to be a giver because it is more blessed to give than to what? And I'm going to show you why that's the case in a moment, okay? This is not merely about just you having more. This is about you being up under the overflow of God's grace where God is able to use you to give out so that his glory can be manifested by your subjection to being under the supply of grace. Did y'all hear what I just said? It is more blessed to be here giving out to be, than to be over here having to always receive. I'm getting ready to show you what I call a theological and redemptive economy that God promises his people around this area of either always being in a mode of receiving or being in a mode of what? Giving. When David says, blessed is he that considered the poor, he's saying blessed is the man who recognized that the poor play a significant role in the manifestation of the character of God. In addressing the weaknesses and poverty and brokenness of sinful human beings. That when he recognizes the poor, the the man that is spiritually minded recognizes that he's looking at something of the nature of God in that poor man. Watch this now. That needs to be supplied. That the spiritually minded man recognizes that the poor man has now been depleted. That the poor man is now vacuous of certain qualities and benefits that would make up the totality of the Imago Day in him. That the poor man is in a state of sin and he needs some kind of remediation. Anybody tracking with me? Stay with me because this is the gospel. When you meet people, whether they have millions and millions of dollars or may not even have two nickels to rub between themselves. Your determination as to whether they are poor or rich has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with whether they are in Christ or not. Do you hear what I just stated? But our assessment of it will take on the totality of their practical condition because frequently our practical condition corresponds often to our spiritual condition. Did you hear what I just stated? And so when Christ came into the world and did ministry, did he not frequently preach the gospel to the poor? Did he not minister to the poor? Did he not supply grace to the poor? Did he not tell his disciples to do it? That's Matthew chapter 10, by the way, in the great commission that he gave the 70. He says, when you go forth preaching the gospel, heal the sick. Raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind, make sure you proclaim my kingdom for freely you have what? Received, freely you give. Now you're looking at the broader spectrum of giving than with money. That is you're giving from the resource of grace that God has given you. Because in your giving, watch this now, watch this. In your giving, you're dealing with an exchange of needs to the poor in order that God might be glorified through that exchange. Y'all got that? Like God does not give you supplies for you to hoard them to yourselves. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He doesn't. We already dealt with that in the parable of the stewardship, right? Where one of them hid in a napkin and buried it in the ground. Remember that? So, So we're never under the false assumption that it's all about God giving to me and me never giving back. Perish the thought that grace is all about God pouring into you. 
And you and I sitting up there being draped with all of these material things as if somehow it's all about us. The men or women or family or church in their strength are people that are eager to give because they are full of grace and truth. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.